Well, good morning, everyone. Hopefully, you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, ours was very nice. Um, Need you had extra prayers for me this morning. My wife's not here. I'm sure she's praying for me, but she's, her and Naomi are a thousand miles away, <laughs> visiting family. And it's just strange not to see my wife there. It's unusual. So, uh, obviously, I miss her and uh, pray for us to have a safe trip back. <clears throat> um, Update on Miss Faith, uh, she got out of the hospital on Wednesday, I think. She was going to come to church this morning, but she wasn't feeling too good last night, so uh, she actually called for a ride, which was encouraging, and then I uh, didn't feel up to coming, so continue to pray for her. So I went a series about whispers, talking about having a conversation with God, and uh, often we have to uh, lean in <laughs> to hear because he could use a booming voice, and he has used a booming voice, but most of the time, he's more interested, in fact, in intimacy and consequently communicating with us. So we've been talking about this for a few weeks. Uh, we'll finish up next week. Today's topic is the voice of doors. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the key language with Scripture, the Bible. Uh, we can always get that, receive that from God anytime we're willing to open it and read it. And then last week we talked about kind of a one that most people don't think about too much, and that's the one of delight or pleasure. And uh, next week we're going to do the opposite side of that, so uh, that'll be next week. Uh, the voice of doors is an interesting one because I think we all do this without even thinking about it, but we need to think about it, and so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And there's some a dramatic illustration in Scripture that we're going to look at. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, we're missing some folks, uh, especially Deb and Naomi, of course, and uh, they're almost always here. We, we pray they're having a, a great uh, time of fellowship and uh, with family and, um, and whatever worship experience they have where they are this morning. Uh, God, we thank you for your presence. You're here, you're there, you're everywhere. Um, we thank you for music, God. I, I'm not musical, but it, uh, it touches our spirit in a way that other things don't. And uh, uh, these songwriters have communicated uh, your word in, a, in powerful ways. Uh, of course, we thank you for, most for your word and for your Holy Spirit. Uh, between being able to read it and your spirit applying it, uh, it dramatically impacts our lives. Uh, I pray these will be your words this morning, um, helping your, your children, your people, uh, connect with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to talk about doors, and I think most people understand what that means about opening doors or open opportunities or closed doors or closed opportunities. So I want to start with this. The language of doors requires the gift of discernment because some things that look like doors aren't necessarily doors. Sometimes we have multiple doors, and... I would assume <laughs> something that might look like a door, Satan can deceive us, it's not really not a, a door we should go through. And so we need discernment. It's easy to read into doors, to see what we want to see, right? If I, <laughs> if, if I want to do this, you know, I'll just kind of look for some kind of sign or opportunity God wants me to do that. Uh, but all through Scripture we see that God does speak through circumstances. And so that's really what we're talking about, circumstances. Uh, providing an opportunity for us to do something or stopping us from doing something. And again, obviously, we need the help of the Holy Spirit 
in doing this. There's lots of definitions of discernment. Uh, I looked a bunch of them up. I put a couple on your outline that I kind of like. Really, spiritual discernment. I guess there's some discernment without, without the spirit. But uh, I came up with two. Spiritual discernment is first having a sense of how things look to God. Do you ever pray, God, let me see with your eyes? Because uh, God sees things differently than we do. And so that's a sense of seeing things from uh, God's perspective. And the other, another definition is the ability to appraise a situation with supernatural insight. Um, outside the spirit, you might say intuition or your conscience can speak to you. Uh, I heard one writer called it our sixth sense, sixth sense uh, as a believer uh, that we have spiritual discernment. The spirit of God gives us discernment. It's thinking or seeing biblically, and that's why it's so important that we know the Bible. <clears throat> In fact, as a believer, Jesus follower, uh, spiritual discernment's not optional. I shouldn't want it to be optional. We should want God's insight into uh, different situations. Obviously, his word can confirm it, but there's a, let me put a caveat here. Sometimes we can use the word of God to confirm what we want. <laughs> so we can't get it backwards. Uh, circumstances need to confirm God's word, not, not the opposite. So, <clears throat> opening and closing doors. Obviously it requires a step of faith. So I put this on your outline because I think this is really important. Faith is taking the first step before God reveals the second one. There's all kinds of examples. I, Thought about Moses. God said, if you raise your staff up, I'll part the Red Sea and you guys can go through safely. <laughs> so the Red Sea didn't part until Moses took the first step and then the Red Sea parted and they were able to go through. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to use a lot of personal illustrations this morning because that's what this says to me. And uh, hopefully I won't bore you too much. <laughs> But uh, in 1980, uh, Deb and I felt called to for a mission field. It was kind of out of the blue. We, you know, I think I t said this. I told God I'll become a preacher, a pastor, as long as he lets me stay in Maryland. Well, you know, <laughs> God has his plans. So anyway, we felt called to mission field about 1980s, and we checked into it, and guess what? <laughs> we couldn't go. There was multiple reasons we couldn't go, actually. But one of the reasons was that my wife was required to have two years of college and I married her right out of high school so she didn't have any college education. So, <clears throat> what's the first step? Well, the first step was, well, can, can my wife, we had two small children. Micah was one and Josh is three. <laughs> and uh, very, very small income, we're passing a small church and uh, don't know how to afford it, we didn't know how my wife was gonna do it, but we said, okay. First step, sign up, community college, take a couple classes. Uh, Pell Grants, whatever they are, basically paid for it. We were so poor that government paid for our my wife's college education. Um, took, you know, so four years later, <laughs> a long story short, she uh, had this degree. And I'll tell you what happens after that <laughs> uh, later on this morning. But we took that step <clears throat> and... Then God revealed the second step. 
Now, something that's really important, I think, in, in, in uh, this open and closing door things is God's confirmation. Confirmation. So I put on your outline, God is gracious enough to give us confirmation. So back to that story. So in 1984, my wife had got a four-year degree, or two-year degree in four years, and uh, everything was going smooth as far as the mission board was concerned, Baptist, Southern Baptist Mission Board. But one caveat, they would not let you go as a missionary with debt at home. And we had a house <laughs> with a mortgage. I don't know if you guys remember 1984, but 1984 was a bad market. The interest rates was like 17% is mind-boggling. You think that interest rates on houses could be 17%. So we had this little small house on acre of land. <clears throat> and I don't know how we got this realtor. We got this realtor. He put the sign up. And uh, put it up sometime during the day. And before the, night, the day was over, he had a call, called us and said, somebody wants to come see our house tomorrow. Oh, okay. So somebody came the next day to see the house. <laughs> And probably the next day, they gave us a contract, full price, no questions asked. Okay, God, I know we're supposed to go, <laughs> go overseas now. Uh, if we, and it was a struggle because our parents didn't want us to go. Uh, I was their pastor, both of my, our, our moms, and they didn't want us to go. But God said, okay, <laughs> you want confirmation? I'll give you confirmation. I'll sell your house in one day in a terrible market. Uh, I don't think you need much more confirmation than that. And you all have your stories, I'm sure. <clears throat> now, in this whole idea of doors, though, discerning God's will is about really knowing his heart in um, all these things we've been talking about. So we really need to know God's heart. And in this case, we knew God's heart was that, that people everywhere would hear, hear the good news. So it's more, again, about intimacy than anything else. God wants us to be seeking him not, that's his will. I mean, his will is secondary to seeking him. So the problem with signs is that they can be confusing, right? Is this really what God wants me to do or not? So I'm going to give you, and these aren't original with me, and there could be a longer list of kind of tests, I'm going to call them tests, of these doors to see if they are open doors or not. So the first test is goosebump test. All right? Now, we did a study called Chasing the Goose. Uh, the Celtics, I believe, have this name for the Holy Spirit called the Wild Goose. It's kind of a cool name. Um, so uh, it's a confirmation of the Spirit, but it's more than that. It, it's kind of like we talked about last week. Your heart kind of skips a beat. As I said last week, you saw that Night to Shine video, and some of you never thought about it again until I, we showed it again today. But there was a half a dozen people signed on their card last week <laughs> that they're going to do it. All right. They, they got goosebumps. They got excited. They were passionate about it. They couldn't stop thinking about it. And they were already planning for it, I'm sure. And sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit uh, following God as being kind of uh, difficult. And it's hard work. Uh, but it's not treasury. It should be, uh, there should be a joy involved and a, a pleasure in it. There should be an excitement about it, uh, a, a passion about it. So we were passionate about going on the mission field. Um, other times, just not. And so... Something may appear to be an open door, but there's no passion in you about it. Um, we'll talk about being obedient a little bit later. <laughs> That's the other side. Uh, second one's peace. In John chapter 14, Jesus is about to get, be crucified, and he's talking to his disciples for the last time. He says to them, I'm leaving you with the peace. 
Now, he's talking about die, and he's talking about peace. And we think about death, we don't really think about peace, do we? And uh, so he said, I'm going to leave you the peace. And Paul wrote in, in Philippians chapter 4, you know, this, about this peace, this, you know, we can't even comprehend this. Like, like, this is peace in the midst of storm. This is peace when other people don't have peace. It's a supernatural peace. And so when you uh, think about a door, possibly going through a door, um, or a closed door, is there a peace about it right? in your spirit? Are you just, is there a calmness? Uh, that's another test. Is there, once you have peace, though, it gives you confidence, doesn't you? Yeah, this is what God wants me to do. I'm at peace with this. I, I, I know. I'm going through this door. I'm not going through this door. This door is closed to me. Another biggie, according to Scripture, is wise counsel. Surround yourself with mature believers, because we all can deceive ourselves. So find some wise mature Jesus followers to kind of bounce things off of. And they need to have the permission to speak the truth to you in love. <laughs> the hard things that you might want, want to hear, for example. Um, most of us are married. Our, obviously, our spouses are, 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 are the first person I bounce things off is her. Um, but we have a management team as far as the church. We, we bounce things off. Of, and... Uh, We'll talk about one decision we made here a little bit later. <clears throat> so, wise counsel. Uh, the fourth one is a little interesting. Uh, it's the crazy test. All right. <laughs> if God wants you to use faith, he's going to ask you to do something that's going to be beyond your ability to do, which may seem crazy. I said, when I was 17, being a pastor seemed crazy to me. When I'm 1980, being a missionary seemed crazy to me. Um, Noah building an ark for 100 years. That, pretty crazy, right? Uh, I guess we say it this way. We should not be afraid or we, we probably are going to look foolish to some people uh, when we go through this open, open door. Peter walking on the water. That was kind of crazy, right? And so, not always crazy, crazy, but there's a sense of craziness or faith involved in, the, in those open doors. And then this last one's really important, is release from and called to. Release from and called to. And I'm going back to our missionary experience. In 1989, we came back to what's called furlough. You spend time in the mission field, and you come back here and share your experiences in churches. Anyway, interesting thing, when we didn't have peace about going to Portugal, back into Portugal, which is really confusing to us, because you spend half your time learning the language, and then you're only there a couple of years to actually use it. And we said, God, this isn't a good stewardship of, your, of you. Again, it's crazy to tell God what to do, right? So uh, we were feeling released from going back to the mission field, but uh, Portugal, but not to the mission field. And so we tried to transfer to one place in Africa, and the mission board wouldn't let us. They wanted us to translate, transfer to another place in Africa, and we didn't want to go there. Long story short, we resigned from the mission field. But now we're in limbo, right? <laughs> uh, we weren't called to anything else at this point. And uh, um, so, where's the open door? <laughs> and we're going to talk about it a little bit later. Sometimes one door closes bef and there's a time lag between another door opening. And that was our case uh, for almost a year. So, release from and called to. Um, 
when we told the uh, missionaries we weren't coming back, kind of a confirmation thing, uh, another couple was appointed with us, went to Portugal with us, uh, the Kirks. He had grown up in Brazil as a missionary child. So he already knew Portuguese. He married a British woman, and uh, she didn't know Portuguese, but Europeans are usually better at language than Americans are. And so we, we get to Portugal together. Well, guess who got through language school first? <laughs> uh, it wasn't us, all right? It wasn't me anyway. My wife was pretty good at it. Uh, so the assignments were one couple was to go north to, to uh, Porto, where Port Wine comes from, which is the second largest city in Portugal. And the other missionary couple out of us two was to go to the south, the Algarve. Uh, and so... uh, Tom, Tom Kirk, had spent time in the Algarve as a kind of a volunteer missionary in his past. So our assumption was that he was going to go to the Algarve and we would wind up going to Porto. Well, he gets to go first because he learns the language first, and he chooses to go to Porto. And so when we finish language school, we go to the Algarve. So anyway, uh, when we just said we weren't coming back, the Kirks got in touch with him and said, we were feeling we should go to the Algarve now if, you, if you're not going to go back. <laughs> so the pa- churches I were passing weren't left without pastor because Tom Girk now was going to, and his wife were going. So we were le- released from, and God gave us that confirmation as well as provided for those churches I was pastoring. Um, thought we'd have a little fun this morning, and most of you are old enough to remember this. When I think of opening and closing doors, this is what I think of. Here's the closing credits. That's what happens when you try and go through a closed door, right? (laughs) All right, there's two specific scriptures I'm going to look at this morning that literally use the words open and closed doors. The first one is in John's writing, the book of Revelation, later in his life. And the second and third chapter is all about writing to seven churches. 
In one church, the Church of Philadelphia, he actually uses these, this phraseology, this terminology, uh, talking to that church. He says, write to the letter to the angel of the Church of Philadelphia. This is a message from the one who is holy and true. God, Jesus, whatever. The one who has the key of David. Now, there's lots of interpretation of the key of David. But David's a fascinating character. He was a passionate person. He was passionate on the good side. He was passionate on the bad side, right? He, uh, you know, he did miraculous things, killed Goliath, and he also committed adultery and murder. <clears throat> anyway, there's a scripture passage that refers to David as a man after God's own heart. And so the way I translate that is uh, desire for God to have intimacy with us, to be like David, a man after God's own heart. Then he says, when he, of course, God, opens a door, no one can close it. Can you close a door God opens? I can't close a door God opens. Of course, the opposite is also true. And what he closes, no one can open. I thought about this as salvation. When we open our hearts, we're going to see that in a minute uh, with a lady in the New Testament. When we open our hearts to God for salvation, nobody can close that door. That door is open. On the other hand, and I shared last week about how difficult it is to try and talk to people that have no concept of God and just are closed. And if they end their life that way, not, their lives are going to be uh, closed forever. Well, face judgment. And the next verse says then, I know all the things you do. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. He's reiterating that. And then he mentioned something really important. You have little strength to go through this door, to do what I want you to do, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Obedience is a key to open doors, obviously. I could open doors and we'd not go through. We could have not gone to the mission field. And we've probably all of them not gone through a door God wanted us to go through. But there's a sense of joy and power when <laughs> we go through that door. God empowers us and give, fills us with that delight or that joy we talked about last week. Now, <clears throat> this open a door thing comes as a, as, as a, a, a joint package, right? Because you can't, we all like open doors. <laughs> we don't like closed doors, but you got to take one with the other, right? So I put on your outline, if not already, and most of us probably are already there, Someday you will thank God as much for closed doors as open ones. Uh, it's a package deal. Now, uh, I was a junior in college, uh, University of Maryland. I'm walking along campus, and I run into a girl that used to come to our church when she was in high school. Now, talk about divine appointments in a minute. We're going to talk about that later, but... Uh, just started, started up a conversation with her. And uh, so I invited her back to church and she actually started coming. And so consequently, long story short, uh, I started dating this girl. Her name was Debbie also. <laughs> and uh, the only really only a serious girlfriend I had before my wife. And so we dated on and off for two different school years. <clears throat> um, but that door was closed. In fact, she shut She's the one that decided to, to, to end the relationship. So now, <laughs> how many years has been later, you know, I thank God for that closed door because I would have never known my lovely wife, right? 
I've never had that relationship. And so without that closed door, I would never have that open door uh, with her. Uh, it's interesting, during that 1990-91 year when I kind of, I was unemployed for one thing, but not knowing what God wanted us to do, there was uh, opportunities to go to one church, uh, actually our cousin's church in downtown Baltimore, and we went there and it just, God just said, no, this isn't the right place. Uh, my former pastor had retired from a church in Delaware, so we went there and interviewed with them. And we, I didn't know how that was going to go, but, but we had uh, one conversation, and uh, they decided I wasn't the right person for them. So that was another closed door. <clears throat> uh, I can't remember how long, but it would have been months later, a few months later, uh, this church became an opportunity. And so with that closed door, this, and so 27 years later, <laughs> uh, this open door wouldn't have been open without that closed door. Now, Paul was a missionary, and... Uh, <clears throat> We have different accounts of different missionary trips in the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts. And the first missionary trip, he basically went, we, we would call Turkey, and his Bible refers to as Asia. And so his second missionary trip, he's traveling through Turkey again. <clears throat> then we get to Acts chapter 16, which is like one of the, uh, I don't know how, what word to use here, uh, just one of the critical times in the life of the church. Uh, Paul was in Turkey or Asia and he was trying to start more churches in Asia. Then we get to Acts chapter 16 and something really interesting happens. Paul, Silas is with him. Paul and Silas travel through the area, area of uh, Phrygia, Phrygia, Phrygia <laughs> uh, and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them, closed door, from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. So it might have been a timing issue, but they were prevented somehow from the Holy Spirit of going there. Well, one part of Asia. So they tried another part. Next verse. Then they are coming to the borders of Mysia. They headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. All right, so we're getting closed door here. We're getting closed door here. And evidently, Paul felt that that was the area he was supposed to share the gospel with. Uh, present-day Turkey. So I'm sure at this point they're wondering, when you get a closed door here and a closed door here, you, where's the open door? <laughs> and so, <clears throat> then coming to, uh, next verse. Uh, that night, uh, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Okay, evidently it wasn't on, on Paul's radar to go into, we would say, Europe, right? Uh, but God gave him this vision or this dream and had this man pleading with him to come. So I got a closed door here and a closed door here and I'm getting an invitation from here, right? I've kind of got a map. I can't go here, I can't go here. Oh, here's a route I can go. And so the next verse says, so we decided, now we believe Luke wrote Acts, and so at this point, either he joins them or at least clues himself in the conversation. He so we decided, so it would be Paul and Silas and Luke at least, to leave for Macedonia at once. Having concluded that God has called us to preach the good news there. Where? In Europe. <laughs> you and I might not believers if this hadn't happened. 
Christianity may have been restricted to the Middle East or to Asia, but God had made sure that the gospel got outside of Asia, and they obeyed. Now, again, you can have an open door and not go through it. The key is to be obedient, and sometimes God doesn't open doors for us because we're not willing to go through it, and so the obedience is the key. So these doors tell us what to do and not to do, where to go, not to go. But they were concluded, they were convinced, this was, this, is, this is the open door that they were supposed to go through. Kind of the pieces of the puzzle came together. Can't go here, can't go here. Oh, I can go here. I'm a missionary, I got a missionary spirit, I want to reach people that haven't heard uh, the gospel or the good news. Well, just skipping down a few verses, see what happens. All right, to get into, Ma- into Macedonia. <clears throat> And on the Sabbath, they went a little outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people were be meeting for prayer and sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. All right, so now they're in, in Asia. Uh, it's day of worship. Um, so they're looking for a place to worship and they found out somehow that there were some ladies worshiping down uh, by the river. Uh, one of them was Lydia a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. So even though she was probably Greek, she was a convert to Judaism. So she worshiped God at this point. And she listened to us, the Lord. Now we can open doors, but we can have open hearts also. In fact, if you're a Jesus follower, at some point in your life, you opened your heart to Jesus, right? So she opened her heart to the gospel and she accepted what Paul was saying. We'd say she stepped across the line, became a Jesus follower. Then she did something that was really interesting. She and her household were baptized. Now, we're going to have a baptismal service in a week or two. (laughs) And if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. Uh, There's all kinds of different reasons. But here, this was a lady that stepped across the line. And the first thing she did after she received Jesus was to be baptized. And she asked asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at our house. And she urged us until we agreed. Again, this is huge. This is the gospel getting out of Asia into Europe and eventually, of course, around the world. Um, circumstances, divine appointments. Uh, this was a divine appointment uh, that Paul and Silas had with this, with this lady. And you and I have divine appointments. Uh, I'm not going to share about any this morning. But there's an interesting other concept about doors and this funny Old Testament story about Gideon. And I put this on your outline. Uh, Lay down a fleece. Now Gideon was kind of a reserved person and God had called, he was a military person, God called him to lead a military campaign and he didn't want to do it. Simply. So he said, God, if you really want me to do this, I'm going to put this fleece out and you make it wet and the ground all dry around it. Now, there's some debate whether we should throw out fleeces, but I'll tell you my opinion in a second here. And God did it. (laughs) He still wasn't sure. So he said, okay, let's reverse it, God. Let's make the ground wet and the fleece not. And exactly, that's exactly what happened. It might have been the other way around. I don't remember. So after that, he was convinced, and of course, he went on to do what God wanted him to do. Now, you can question if we should do that or not, but he did that, and God honored it, didn't he? He did exactly what he asked. <clears throat> so, uh, I talked about selling our house in uh, 1984. Well, 
we moved into our uh, next house in 19, when was that, Mel? 91? <laughs> Finished building that house? Just the same month that I started preaching at this church. I moved in this house in Boonesboro that Mel and I had built. <clears throat> and so after a few years went by, <clears throat> we thought, well, if I'm pastoring in Smithsburg, I ought to live in Smithsburg, right? That makes sense, God, right? So we put up a real estate sign out there thinking, okay, sold a house in one day last time, probably could do it again, right? Nothing. <laughs> no buyers. Couldn't find anybody want to buy our house. So we took the sign down. A few years passed, and again, we thought, and we certainly should be in Smithsburg. Put out a sign again, try to sell our house. Still couldn't sell it. So we were throwing out fleeces, and God wasn't uh, selling our house. And then probably about 13 years ago, I wanted to build a house, our dream house, and I wanted it in the woods. So he said, okay, let's look for a wooded lot in Smithsburg, right? Couldn't find one. And just casually looking through the newspaper, ah, oh, there's this wooded lot three miles from our house in Boonesboro. Went to look at it. It was perfect. And, of course, long story short, bought it and built the house. And so for the last 10 years, we've been living in that house in Boonesboro. But the key is to, to be obedient because delayed obedience is what? Disobedience. So regardless if God opens the door or closes the door, we should say, God, your will be done. <clears throat> now, another issue here is this. Sometimes what we think is a no is a not yet. All right? So, you know, we couldn't go to the mission field in 1980. Uh, four or five years later, we got to go. <clears throat> uh, my wife's not here, but I, I just want to talk about her, okay? <laughs> So in 1976, I started attending this church. <clears throat> There's this cute girl there. And uh, but she's got the same boyfriend. She's a senior in high school, but she had the same boyfriend junior year and now senior year. And so <clears throat> I think I started there in January. By April, I really thought this was the person God wanted me to marry, but she's in this long relationship with this guy from high school. <clears throat> so that was a closed door. <laughs> that was a no. Well, it was actually a not yet, right? <laughs> And interestingly enough, she's in Louisiana right now. That's where she went after graduation from high school. And she was there for about six weeks. And during that time, she broke up with this guy. First time I saw her when she got back, <laughs> I asked her out. So the no wasn't a no. It was just a not yet. In this case, it was kind of a short, you know, three, four, or five months. Sometimes it's a lot longer. <clears throat> a couple more comments and we finished. See, God's timing is impeccable, isn't it? It just is. His timing is perfect. But his methods are so unpredictable. There's all kinds of stories in Scripture. One of the funniest ones is Jesus had to pay a tax uh, to the government. And he says, Peter, hey, you're a fisherman. <clears throat> I want you to go catch a fish, and in that fish is going to be a coin to pay the taxes. Now, Peter had been a fisherman all his life. He'd never found a coin, I bet, in, his, in, a, in a fish's mouth all his whole entire life. Well, how crazy was that? God could have, uh, Jesus could have just said, oh, there's a coin under this rock. But he sends Peter out to catch his fish, and in the mouth of the fish is this coin to pay his taxes. God's time is impeccable, but it's really kind of unpredictable. I don't know. How many of you like surprises? It's usually about half and half. Yeah, I don't like surprises. My wife loves surprises. <laughs> okay. 
God, I, I think, likes surprises. Or he likes to surprise us. And uh, so he uses unpredictable things to show us about where we should go and what we should do and not do. So two, two final statements and we'll be finished. How do you read the Bible? <clears throat> do you read it out as a chore? Do you read it as a responsibility? Do you read it because it's just nice, you like to read it? Or do you read it with enthusiasm? Do you read it with expectation? Uh, you're reading the love letter from the God who loves you more than anything. Is that the way you and I read it? Now, if you're like me, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. <clears throat> but remember Billy Graham we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, <clears throat> he was in the, uh, John Wesley's house and prayed in the same place that John Wesley prayed, and he prayed that prayer, do it again. The Wesleyan revival, and, and Billy Graham said, do it again. And so when you read the Bible, and you read about these lives being changed, and this transformation, and God doing this, and God doing that, do you pray that prayer, do it again, God? Because back in John 14, when Jesus said, I give you peace, he said another thing. He said, I'm going to be going away, but I'm going to send you a gift of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be able to do greater things. So when we read the Bible, do we expect greater things to happen? And we think, oh, that was just back then. So I'm going to leave you with this statement, and I want you to think about it. Either your theology will conform to your reality. Meaning, I just shared with somebody, I've been doing these funerals with people that are lost, or their families are lost, and, and I made a comment, I think it was to Pastor Clint, it looks like God's losing. I know he isn't. I know he can't lose, but it just looks like God is losing. So I can either make that what looks like me, I think, theology, or believe that no, God's winning. Or the reality will be conformed by my theology. That God's still alive, God's still powerful, God can still do anything, God can still do miracles, and God wants to. Let me just ask you a simple question. I'll leave you with that. It's your choice. It's my choice. What's the better choice? Let's pray. Ah, Father God, I thank you for open doors and closed doors. And I look back at my life, there's so many of them, and all of us could probably do that. And we try to hit our heads against closed doors at times, I'm sure, and that doesn't work very well. Uh, we probably went through a door that we shouldn't have gone through. Uh, but God, help, help us to see, help us to understand, help us use those tests, and then let us charge through as fast as possible when the door is open. And yet, sometimes, God, uh, your timing is, is impeccable, your timing is perfect. Sometimes it's not yet. So teach us that, that patient spirit, yet still with enthusiasm. God, I pray for these folks. Uh, you know their lives, you know their situations. Uh, God, just bring comfort where comfort's needed, bring uh, lack of peace where lack of peace is needed. Uh, just do your work among us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.